Ephesians chapter two. Today, continuing, of course, our study through the book of Ephesians, picking up where we left off last week with the message uh, last week on understanding how we are separated from God. Uh, It was a word specifically to the Gentiles that Paul gave to say, hey, you were far off, but you've been brought near by the blood of the lamb. Amen. Amen. And, and so further now, we, kinda, we go from there. We talked a lot last week about, about separation of people groups between Jew and Gentile and how this was a major problem in that day. Obviously, there's still a major problem in our day of the, the separation of people groups. And, and so uh, really what Jesus did is he broke down the barrier that he brought near the Gentiles, which was a major, major separation according to culture and, and, and social aspects and, 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 and land and inheritance and all these things that the, the Gentiles had nothing, but yet Jesus brought them near. And we talk so much about the great power of God that brought even the Gentiles into the body of Christ. And so now further picking up with that that same thought, really, this flows right into verse 14, that he himself is our peace who, had made both, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. He is our peace. What does this tell us is that there is a need for peace. And again, going back to this separation of people, Jew and Gentile, or fill in the blank with all of the, the various social and economic groups or classes of people throughout history that have been given a mark or given a label, so to speak. And so, and now what we see Paul saying, he himself, after he says the Gentiles have been brought near, brought in to fellowship by the blood of Jesus Christ, and it's only by the blood of Jesus Christ, there's no other, there's no class that they could take that's going to bring them in. There's no other way except by the blood of Jesus Christ. And now, based on that, we go right into the, the fact is there's a problem. And the problem is there's been a lack of peace between people. There's been great division among people. And based on that problem, we need to be reminded of this, that he himself, speaking of Jesus, who, who gave his life, who sacrificed himself to bring people near to God, into fellowship with God, and further bring people together. As those who were once far off, the Gentiles, totally separated from God, now brought near to him by the blood of Jesus, who is, as we said last week, who is God in the world, Emmanuel, God with us, and now further, Jesus is the peace. He himself is the peace. He's a representation of peace. He brings peace. He brought peace between God and man, and he brings peace between people, between Jew and Gentile. I don't know if you realize how significant of an undertaking that is to bring Jew and Gentile together, two people groups that completely despised each other, we talked about that last week. The, the Jews thought the Gentiles were just fuel for hellfire, the dogs of society. The Gentiles thought the Jews were just crazy hypocrites. A lot of the same stuff is still going on in the world today, isn't it? 
people drawing conclusions about other people, whether they be of the same uh, ethnicity or different ethnicity, we're still, everybody's just drawing conclusions based on where you live. I mean, I've, I've, I got to travel recently, you know, to visit out in Colorado and teach at Calvary Church there with, for Ed Taylor, and, and you get out there and everybody's like, oh, you're from Joyzy, huh? I'm like, nobody says that. Oh, the armpit of the United States. Have you been there? No. Well, then don't call it the armpit. This place is great. Amen? Come on. I mean, mostly. (laughs) No, you know what, man? God is working. God is moving in New Jersey. Amen? There is is a, a genuineness of the people of New Jersey that when they are on fire for Jesus, it is obvious. Uh, I got to experience the other night, went to a, a Christian concert, and over 2,000 people in this room with voices shouted to heaven and hands raised to heaven in this great proclamation. And I walked out, I said, man, this is beautiful. You know why? I, I was talking to the pastor of the church. I said, man, this is so beautiful because when Jersey people are raising their hands to heaven and shouting praise to heaven, you know it's real. Amen. I appreciate the Jersey people. But, but the, you know, we get a bad rap, you know. It's just, that's the way it is. There's these conclusions that are drawn of New Jersey, the, the place, and, and uh, there's conclusions drawn of the people, And the reality is there's just such a lack of peace and there's so many things that people want to find to divide over. But Jesus is our peace. And what it says here, he has made both one. Both Jew and Gentile, he has made them one. He's done it. It doesn't have to keep happening. We think we've got to do something to bring about unity in the world. (laughs) We we look at the problem, we're like, man, everybody's so divided, everybody's angry at each other. We got to do something about this. Jesus already did it. So what are we dividing over? We need to stop getting caught up in the division and fix our eyes on Jesus. Peace between Jew and Gentile. He's done it. Jesus is the common ground between Jew and Gentile. And even more, he is the peace. He is the peace between God and man. He's the peace between people. He is the peace in our lives, the peace that surpasses all understanding, that would guard our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. We lack peace. We live in a world full of chaos, and we live in a world where people thrive on chaos, right? We, uh, politicians thrive on chaos. They create chaos so that they can, everybody will just depend on them. The news outlets of the world, they thrive on chaos. We live in a world full of chaos, and, but we have Jesus. Therefore, we have peace. And what he's done, he's made both one, Jew and Gentile, he's made them one, and he's broken down the middle wall of separation. Jesus is the common ground, and he tore down the wall of separation. Jesus is the way of salvation 
for both Jew and Gentile. There's not a different route. There's not a different solution for anybody. It's always Jesus. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's it. There's no other way, there's no other seasoning that we can add in to think that maybe, just maybe, if we help God out a little bit, is Jesus not the only way? And I've heard pastors say this before. Well, there's many ways to God. No, there's not. That's a lie. That is deception from the devil. And when you hear pastors say it, you need to run. That is dangerous. Because you know what happens? People will start to listen to those pastors. Oh, it's a pastor. He should know what he's talking about. It's a lie from the devil. Jesus is the only way. And so here, Jesus is the common ground between all people. It doesn't matter ethnicity. It doesn't matter where you're from, who you are, where you've been. Jesus is the common ground when it comes to salvation. Now Paul here, as he talks about this wall of separation, he's referring to the temple. And there was an actual wall of separation in the temple that kept the Gentiles out of the temple courts. It was called the Soreg, a man-made barrier to deny access to the inner courts of the temple, to the Gentiles. And Paul was writing this letter from a place of current experience over this issue. It was fresh on his mind. Paul was writing this letter of Ephesians while he was under house arrest, wrongfully accused of bringing Gentiles in to the temple courts. So he's sitting here thinking, man, he's locked up, house arrest. He, can't, he has, doesn't have freedom, but he's like, you know what? Let me talk about this issue. I'm going to talk about the problem here of why I've been, you know, put under this house arrest, the issue of this separation, the issue of this wall, and the issue that he even would consider or thought to bring someone into these courts, a Gentile into these courts is a problem in society. Yet he's like, you know what, the society is broken. The religious system is broken. Jesus tore down the wall. And that wall was man-made in the first place. With that fresh on his mind, he's got great passion for it. The wall has been destroyed. And that wall was a warning to Gentiles. There, were pl- there was you know, plaques you know, with stone in- uh, engravements in it to say, this, uh, Gentiles go no further upon pain of death. That's what would be written out there in, in, the, uh, in the courtyard of the temple to say, you can't go further than this. Do not cross this line upon pain of death. <clears throat> Jesus is the peace that made Jews and Gentiles one and broke down the man-made barrier between people groups. So now... One in Christ. They are one in Christ. And that's as we are today, one in Christ. Under the blood of Christ. Whatever our differences are, they don't matter. 
You might, you might have differences within the body of Christ. You might have people you struggle with. But remember this, that under the blood of Christ means that we are under the lordship of Christ. And if we're under the lordship of Christ, we need to recognize that Christ has made us one through the cross, through his sacrifice. Jesus prayed for it. And when Jesus prayed for it in John 17, he knew that his sacrifice would make a way for it at the same time. He didn't just pray, Father, let, my, let the church be one. As we are one, let them be one. He said, no, Father, let them be one as we are one, and I'm, I'm doing it. He was going to the cross. He speaks then of the crucifixion. And that's what would bring this oneness his blood, his sacrifice. It's under the sacrifice, and if it's under the sacrifice, then it means that, you know what, nothing else really matters. His blood covers us. His love covers a multitude of sin. Yet here we are trying to uncover constantly. Within the body of Christ, we look around and we're trying to uncover the, the work that the blood has covered. Why are we so often trying to do that? Why are we so often trying to divide? Looking at our brothers and sisters in Christ and, and nitpicking and, and getting upset over petty things and dividing in, among the church over petty things because I don't like the way they made me feel about myself. Or they said something that offended me. They cut me off in the parking lot of the church. They took my seat in the sanctuary. Don't they know I've been sitting there for 10 years? And we laugh about it. But there's a reality, guys. This is happening in the body of Christ all over the place. It's happening in this room right here. There's things. All over the world, there's things. People just, they want to point out the flaws in each other. Have we forgotten the blood of Christ? If we're forgiven, and we look back in the beginning of Ephesians 2, that we were dead in our trespasses, if we're forgiven, we were dead and we've been made alive, then should we not recognize that everybody else in the body of Christ around us has also been made alive in Christ? You see, we like to claim it for ourselves. I'm made alive in Christ. I am his workmanship. Amen. We are his workmanship. Further, here's what's taken place in verse 15. Having what Christ has done, having abolished in his flesh the, flesh the enmity that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace. Having abolished it. Now he's clarifying the work of Christ here. 
the work that's been accomplished through his blood, abolishing the enmity, abolishing the separation, abolishing is completely eliminating, yet we get caught up in trying to bring back the enmity amongst us. We try to bring back the barrier, the man-made barrier, the wall of separation. The law was the centerpiece of this enmity. We talked about it last week. And the law, really, it was all about the mark of the law, the uncircumcision, the Gentiles, and the circumcision, the Jews. And that was the mark of the law, of the religious law. That was the mark, and that was a dividing factor. But Christ has abolished the law. A new covenant, the blood of Jesus. The law being the centerpiece, but Christ fulfilled the law. And he did it, it says, in his flesh. He came, God in the form of man, God incarnate, Jesus came in the flesh, lived a perfect life, was crucified, actually died and was buried and actually rose from the dead. This is all according to the flesh. These things actually physically happened. That's what Christ has done. He became the atonement for our lawlessness covering our lawlessness with his blood. And so at this point then, the law is no longer the source of righteousness. Jesus is the source of righteousness. And relationship with Jesus is the source of righteousness. There's no mark of the law, mark of the flesh. It says here that he is then creating One new man. There's no more Jew and Gentile is what Paul's saying. Those labels of Jew and Gentile are now irrelevant because of the blood of Jesus. There's just one church, the body of Christ, one in Christ. Early Christians called themselves a third race or a new race. Because the the people were just separated by Jew or Gentile. According to religion, according to law, it was just, there was either Jew or there was Gentile. And now the early church, the Christians, the believers, the body of Christ said, we're we're a third group, we're a new group. That's what Paul is is bringing reference to. Christ has made one, a new people, a new man, neither Jew or Gentile. Those labels are irrelevant now. Would we make that same claim today? That I am just under the blood of Christ. That we are one under the blood of Christ. A new people. Not labeled by all the things that we would label ourselves with. Or label one another with but just clothed in his righteousness, that we might see Christ in one another. I'm reminded of Joshua. 
when Joshua sees the angel of the Lord that appears to him. And he says to the angel of the Lord, he says, are you for us or are you for our adversaries? He's created two groups. That's what Joshua did in his mind. Are you for us or are you for our adversaries? And what does the angel of the Lord say? Neither. Or really what he's saying is, nope. (laughs) There's a third. There's a third option, so to speak. He says, as the commander of the army of the Lord, I have come. The third option came through Christ. This third race, so to speak, as Paul is talking about here, came through the blood of Christ. That's who we are. You know what? This appearance in Joshua is known as a Christophany in the Old Testament, a pre-incarnate appearance of Christ. So even then, Christ brings that fulfillment. Are you for us? Are you for our adversaries? No. But I have come as the commander of the army of the Lord. And what he's saying ultimately is, Joshua, you're wrong. Are you on my side? There's only one side. There's only one one thing to do here, and it is be on the Lord's side. Christ bringing about unity. And so after the old barrier was abolished, a new bond is established. Let's look at verse 16. And that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. That he might reconcile. He's now he's giving an example of, of further of what he's done. That he might reconcile. He brings peace. He is peace. He's abolished the, the, in his flesh the separation and the enmity. Be, according to the law, he's fulfilled the law. He makes peace between people and that he might reconcile both to himself. They both. Jew and Gentile, whatever people group, there's a great need. And the great need is reconciliation with God. We all have the same great need to be reconciled to God. No matter how good we were, or how good we think we were, or how good we think we are, no matter how much we think we have to offer God, we are all separated from God, and we all have a great need to be brought near, to be reconciled to God. Every single one of us in the church we recognize is simply the body of Christ. And all who have a relationship with Jesus, whether Jew or Gentile, whether raised in a Christian home, 
or been through 20 years of worldliness, 30, 40, 50 years of worldliness. We look at all this, and I was recently asked a question. I went, I went on a podcast with a friend, and, and we were talking and preparing for this podcast, and, and uh, the, the one guy asked the question, and was like, so why, you know, why have a pastor on, on the podcast, right? And it's, it's a Christian podcast, but it's not, primarily the guests have been just Christian guys and tough dudes. It's a podcast for men, and and just to be walking with the Lord, challenging their walk with the Lord, but it's been more entrepreneurs and things like that. And, and he asked the question, like, why, the guy said, why, why have a pastor, you know? Does he, does he really experience worldliness? Does he understand what other guys are struggling with? And I answered the question, I brought him to Ephesians chapter two. I said, well, it says in Ephesians that we all were once dead in our trespasses and sins. It doesn't matter, you know, we think that we, we've got something greater to offer God, or we think we're a good or a decent person. We're actually not. <laughs> None of us. <laughs> not one of us. It doesn't matter. And yeah, I was raised in a Christian home, and I was mostly a good kid. You could ask my mom, she would agree. Mostly a good kid. I never got caught up in, in great worldliness and but you know what? I still was so unbelievably desperate for Jesus in my life. And if I didn't encounter Jesus and personally decide that I was going to walk with Jesus and dedicate my life to Jesus, then what good am I? We all need the same thing, reconciliation. We've all been brought together into one body, the body of Christ, the church, where our unity in Christ under the blood of Christ is far greater than our differences. And let me add to that, than our petty differences. Most things, let's be honest, most things are petty. My dad has said it for years from the pulpit. Don't sweat the small stuff. And everything is small stuff. Fix our eyes on eternity. And we will see the stuff to be small. Unity in Christ, under the blood of Christ, is far greater than our previous differences or current differences. And this is all part of God's perfect plan for our sanctification. So perhaps, if you're struggling with another brother or sister in Christ, it's for your sanctification. Because the reality is, are we supposed to go and figure out what's wrong with everybody else? Or are we supposed to look at ourselves and say, man, I, I need more of Jesus. I'm reminded of this in my marriage. I'm reminded of this as a father. And I'll quickly try to, you know, blame somebody else, blame my kids for what they're doing or blame my wife for something. She doesn't do anything wrong, of course. But we get into intense fellowship of sorts. And as we do, we 
quickly we would start to try to point the finger at things in each other, flaws and faults. And in that, am I forgetting the blood of Christ? Am I discounting the blood of Christ? Or do I believe that the person I have differences with is under the blood of Christ, that they have a relationship with Jesus Christ? And should I just look for the the purpose of this is for my own sanctification? That God wants me to see the sin in myself that I might be more like him and not just go around being like, oh, you did this and this person did this. And I need to look at me. And I need to be transformed more into the image of Christ. We need to remember this, that each one is just as valuable as we are. That that person, whoever it is, they are just as much God's workmanship. We are his workmanship. But we are very quick to say, I am his workmanship. Amen, that's true. But so is the rest of the body of Christ. And the unity of the body of Christ is also his workmanship. So we need to be careful that we're not rejecting the workmanship of God. If we have differences, you know what? We need to work out our differences because you know what, guys? you're going to spend eternity together. I said in the beginning, hey, we're gonna, we need to practice our worship, holy, 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 let it be today, because we're gonna be singing that forever. Well, we also need to practice our unity here and now, because we're going to spend eternity together. So you know what? That person that you maybe have issue with, they might be your next door neighbor. We're going to spend eternity together. And you know what? All of our eyes are going to be fixed on Jesus. So let's get a head start. Let's fix our eyes on Jesus, on his workmanship, on how great and glorious he is, and celebrating among the body of Christ the work that he's doing in people's lives, the gifts that the rest of the body of Christ has. And not just saying, I am his workmanship, but we are his workmanship. Jesus brought about such great change. He brought a new man. And God has put us in each other's paths for a purpose, and that purpose is sanctification. Embrace the sanctification. Verse 17 And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and those who were near. This is how he did it. He came. Jesus actually came. And he preached peace who were far off and for those who are near. It doesn't matter. Again, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what people group you're part of, ethnicity or anything. It just matters that Jesus came and preached peace. This is how he did it. The cross of Christ is sufficient to bring people together. And the gospel is relevant for every single one of us. I said it before, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Listen, there is only one gospel. 
The gospel doesn't change for different people. This is what I need the gospel to be for me. There's one gospel. Jesus came, lived a perfect life, died on the cross, was buried and rose again and ascended to heaven and is coming again. We have the opportunity at fellowship with Jesus Christ. And in fellowship with Jesus Christ, we have fellowship with one another. There's such beautiful blessing within the fellowship of the body of Christ. That's why it's so essential that we don't forsake the assembling of the brethren. We need each other. The cross is sufficient. The gospel is relevant. The gospel is always relevant. The same gospel for Jew and Gentile. And that word, that gospel is peace. He came and he preached peace. And that peace is only through Christ as we began with. He himself is our peace. Whether far off or whether near, we're all lost. Whether we've been raised in a Christian home and we've never really walked away from the Lord and we've just pursued him with our lives or whether we have been living for the world for so many years, we're all lost and we all need Jesus. Equally estranged from the Father, equally in need of Jesus and needing to be brought near. Romans chapter three, we quote verse 23 very often, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, right? Verse 22 says, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe, for there is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There is no difference. We are all in need of Jesus. We all have sinned. We all are sinners. And we need more of Jesus. So here, verse 17, we see how we all have the same great need, and the gospel is relevant to meet that need, and Jesus is the answer. Now, verse 18. For through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Again, we both... Jews and Gentiles, all the people groups of the day, through him, we have access. We all have the same need. Jesus is the answer. And because of Jesus, we all have the same access. And people sometimes, you know, talk to, you know, say, oh, pastor, you're, you're close. You know, you've got a direct line we all have a direct line. Access was given through the cross. The veil of the temple was torn in two when Jesus said, it is finished. You know, before that, only the high priest was allowed to enter the Holy of Holies, the presence behind the veil. And only one time per year, and it was under very strict parameters. But the cross tore the veil. The cross gave direct access. And sometimes we forget the cross maintains that direct access. Once 
for all. It's done. We all have the same direct access to God. And that access is a gift. And it's reliant only on Jesus Christ. No one else and nothing else. There's circumstances do not dictate our access to God. We feel sometimes like we're far away. We feel like I've messed up too much. Maybe you, you're, you've not yet entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ. You're like, look, I have, I've ruined my life. I've gone so far, I just can't possibly. You know what? Call out to Jesus. That he hears and he welcomes you. Surrender your life to him. We have that access. As believers in Jesus Christ, we all have that same access. Whether we feel far, whether the atmosphere works for me. We try, sometimes we'll base things on emotion. Whether we, we like the experience, whether you know, we walk in and we're, okay, the chair's comfortable enough in church and you know, the air conditioning's not too cold or the, you know, the heat's not too hot or you know, there's not too many leaks in the roof. We got some leaks in our flat roof over here. Or whether the, the music is the way that I want it to be or the teaching is, is comfortable enough for me. And we base our access and whether or not we can enter in on so many other things. We always have access and we should always tap into that access. Paul writes of this in Romans chapter 12. It's the idea of being always hot, always on fire for Jesus. In Romans 12 verse 9 to 13 says, let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor, giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints given to hospitality." This is the mark of a Christian. This is what we should look like as we love God, we'll love one another, and you know what? We should always be fervent in spirit, on fire for Jesus. The word fervent, is it means intensely passionate, hot or glowing. The translation of the text meaning it's boiling. That in the spirit, as we are walking in the spirit, we should be boiling Burning hot for Jesus, not waiting for the right circumstance. Not waiting for the right atmosphere. But entering in, taking advantage of the access that we have. Being fired up is not a personality. It's an act of obedience. Now, it's not about emotion. You might say, well, I, I get fired up different than other people. Amen, that's okay. But still be fired up for Jesus. Be fired up for the right thing. It's not about emotion. It's not about circumstance. It's about who Jesus is and what he's done. And it's about the fact that we have direct access to him. Use it. And here in closing, look, we get this picture. It gives us the, you know, for through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. 
the picture once again of, of the Trinity. We've talked about Jesus and the work that he's done, and he's given us direct access, and now it is by one spirit that we have this access to the Father, reminding us even again of where we started in chapter one, that the Father, Son, and Spirit planned out our redemption before the foundation of the world giving us direct access to him, that we have been saved by the Father through the work of the Son, kept by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we need to remember this today. The man-made barrier between people was abolished, and a new bond was established. This is all past tense, It happened. Jesus already died and rose from the dead so that we would be one. He's already done that work. That old barrier abolished. A new bond established. One people under the blood of Christ. We remember, too, that we all have the same need to be brought near to God, and the gospel is relevant, and the cross of Christ is sufficient. And lastly, we remember that we all have the same access to God. It is a gift. Embrace it and enter in. Let's pray.